Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be reading chapter 29 of the teachings of the doctrine of eternal lives. The title of the chapter is called The Second Death. Joseph Smith. That ye may not be cursed with a sore cursing, and also that ye may not incur the displeasure of a just God upon you unto the destruction, yea, the eternal destruction of both soul and body. Second Nephi chapter 1 verse 22. And now behold, I say unto you, <clears throat> then cometh the death even a second death, which is a spiritual death, then is a time that whosoever dieth in in his sins as to a temporal death shall also die a spiritual death. Yea, he shall die as to things pertaining unto righteousness. Then is the time when their torment shall be as a lake of fire and brimstone, whose flames ascend up forever and ever. And then is the time that they shall be chained down to an everlasting destruction, according to the power and captivity of Satan, he having subjected them according to his will. Then I, t- uh, then I say unto you, they shall be as though there ha- they had never been there had never been no redemption i'm sorry i'm adding words there they shall be as though there had been no redemption made for they cannot be redeemed according to god's justice and they cannot die seeing there is no more corruption alma chapter 12 Verses 16 through 18. Therefore, God gave unto them commandments after having made known unto them of the plan of redemption that they should not do evil. The penalty thereof being a second death which was an everlasting death as to things pertaining unto righteousness, for on such the the plan of redemption could have no power, for the works of the justice could not be destroyed according to the supreme goodness of God. Alma chapter 12, verse 32. And now, my beloved brethren, I say unto you, that if ye will harden your hearts, ye shall not enter into the rest of the Lord. Therefore your iniquity provoketh him that he sendeth... Hold on. 
Let's see here. Therefore, your iniquity iniquity provoketh him that he sendeth down his wrath upon you as in first provoc in the first provocation. Yea, according to his word in the last provocation as well as the first, to the everlasting destruction of your souls. Therefore, according to his word, unto the last death, as well as the first. Alma chapter 12, verse 36. And may the Lord grant unto you repentance, that ye may not bring down his wrath upon you, that ye may not be bound down by the chains of hell, that ye may not suffer the second death. Alma chapter 13, verse 30. Yea, and it bringeth to pass the condition of repentance, that whosoever repenteth, the same is not hewn down and cast into the fire. But whosoever repenteth not is hewn down and cast into the fire, and there cometh upon them again a spiritual death, yea, a second death, for they are cut off again as to the things pertaining to righteousness. Helaman chapter 14, verse 18. All your losses will be made up to you in the resurrection, provided you continue faithful. By the vision of the Almighty, I have seen it. More painful to me the thought of annihilation than death. The words of Joseph Smith, page 196. Joseph Smith also says, Salvation for all men who have not committed a certain sin can save any man who has not committed the unpardonable sin. Why must uh, commit the unpardonable sin in the in this world? <sighs> Something doesn't sound right there. There's an ellipses, and the author. Um, they compiled this, cut something out. Anyway, I'll just continue. <sighs> Must commit the unpardonable sin in this world. Will suffer in the eternal world until he will be exalted. And that's from the words of Joseph Smith as well, page 342. And I don't know what to think about that one. I It sounds broken up and the quote doesn't sound right. I do not own a book, um, the book, The Words of Joseph Smith, so I can't go check it. But it just doesn't sound right to me. So anyway, that was on page 342 of The Words of Joseph Smith. Continuing, broad is the gate and wide is the way that leadeth to the deaths. And that's plural. And that's DNC section 132, verse 25. Which uh, I I know 132 had was uh, introduced um, by by Hiram Smith to Lyman White and his wife and the laws and uh, and Emma, um, but. Uh, 
Brigham Young. Well, Lyman White, no, was it Law? No, it was William Law. He said that he saw the the 132 that um, Brigham Young had many, many years later. And he said that it was law, that version that, that he saw was a lot shorter than the one that Brigham Young had. And that the one that Brigham Young had, like it was like nine eight or nine pages where the original revelation was only like two pages or something like that something like that so you know i don't i know that 132 talks about plural celestial marriage but there's a lot of junk that brigham young added to that revelation um and you know what Everybody flips out about that revelation when they begin to know about it, but then they don't question any of the other revelations. Brigham Young, like, spliced together revelations. He added things to revelations. The the Doctrine and Covenants that we have, it doesn't match up with what the original was. This is one of the reasons why it's so very important to get revelation for yourself. Like, if you believe something in the Doctrine and Covenants, you should test it and get confirmation of the Spirit and uh, and revelation about the matter. If you lack wisdom, ask God. It's pretty simple. You know, James chapter 1, verse 5, if you lack wisdom, ask God. But a lot of people don't. And then they, they run around and they take one, 103 and they think, oh, and 105, and they think, oh, the Davidic servants, Joseph Smith. Because Brigham Young spliced together revelations. I don't know. Anyway, just it's just something I understand because I've studied these things out a lot. So anyway, continuing on. But those who sin against the Holy Ghost cannot be forgiven in this world or in the world to come, but they shall die the second death. But as they concoct but as they concoct scenes of bloodshed in this world, so shall, so they shall arise to that recern, which is as a lake of fire and brimstone. Some shall rise to the everlasting burnings of God, and some shall rise to the DN, I think damnation of their own filthiness. I don't know. It just says DN. Like, there's some... I don't know. I don't trust this author. I wonder if the reason why he remained um, anonymous is because he wanted to put this, this out there and he... Well, he didn't want to get in trouble for one. But he also didn't want uh, the scrutiny... Of somebody like me coming along and questioning, hey, this doesn't sound right. What what are you talking about here? Where are you getting this information from? 
Anyway, that was the words of Joseph Smith, page 355. Those who commit the unpardonable sin are doomed to Nalom. G-N-A-O-L-O-M. Let me see if I can uh, find a definition for that word real quick. No definition found. Okay, search the web. Oh, I can't because I turn off. When I'm recording, I actually turn off the uh, the internet. Oh, that's interesting. All right, so... Um, the Book of Abraham Project, April 7th, 1844. Let's see what this has to say here. So I found something on the internet that I'm going to go back because this doesn't matter. Um, So apparently Joseph Smith made up a word because it doesn't seem to exist. And when I look that word up on the internet, um, it just goes straight to what Joseph Smith said. So let me see if I can get back to this here. Yeah, there's no definition for this particular word. They're doomed to Nalom. Okay. Anyway, that's the words of Joseph Smith, page 343. Continuing on. Notwithstanding this congregation professed to be saints, yet I stand in the midst of all kinds of characters and classes of men. If you wish to go where God is, you must be like God or possess the principles which God possesses. For if we are not drawing towards God in principle, we are going from him and drawing towards the devil. Yes, I am standing in the midst of all kinds of people. As far as we degenerate from God, we descend to the devil and lose knowledge. And without knowledge, we cannot be saved. And while our hearts are filled with evil and we are studying evil, there is no room in our hearts for good. History of the Church, Volume 4, page 588. So that's the end of uh, Joseph Smith's quotes. Let's go to Brigham Young and see what he has to say about this. A man cannot sin against the Holy Ghost until the Holy Ghost has revealed unto him the Father and the Son as a knowledge of eternal things in a great degree. When he has a knowledge of these things, and with his eyes wide open, he rebels against God and defiles or defies his power, then he sins against all three. The Teachings of the President, uh, Brigham Young, Volume 3, page 8. 
that doesn't sound like the other the other teachings I've heard about the second death and the unpar- uh, unpardonable or unforgivable whatever sin is that when you reject what the Holy Ghost has revealed to you, that's denial of the Holy Ghost, and that is the unpardonable sin. But Brigham Young is trying to—he's trying to go and say that it's—it's it's so much more. You have to, in order to commit the unpardonable sin, you actually have to have the Father appear to you. Now, we know that Brigham Young never had the father or the son or any angel appeared to him because he lamented about it near the end of his life when he was like 76 or 77 years old. Oh, wait. No, he wasn't that old. So he was born in 1805, I think. No, no, he was older than Joseph Smith. I think he was born in like 1800. It doesn't matter. He died in 1877. Near the end of his life, he stated that he he had never seen the Lord or the Father or had any visitation from the heavens. Which is fine, because he could still be inspired to do certain things, like we can all be inspired to do certain things, but like... He wasn't a prophet, seer, or revelator. And in this particular instance, he's saying that you have to actually see the Father and the Son to be to commit the unpardonable sin. What if you've had the second comforter? Like, just seen Jesus Christ, not the Father. Can you commit the unpardonable sin? What if you just had the baptism of fire and you knew by revelation and by that powerful witness some knowledge or whatever and then you reject it? It, Can you be forgiven for that situation? What if you've had dreams and visions and God has revealed to you a great deal and you have the confirmation of the Holy Spirit and then you reject it? Can you be forgiven for that situation? The answer is no. Not if you... If you rebel against God, this is my own personal belief, okay? If you rebel against God after you have received the light of revelation and you have a confirmation that the Book of Mormon's true, or Joseph Smith is a true prophet, or Moses is a true prophet, or Jesus is the redeemer of the world and then you reject that witness because because whatever comes along and like and tells you oh that can't be true because because this that or the other and you reject the witness of god which is the holy ghost because of your carnal 
beliefs and you trust in 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 the flesh well let's just take an instance here okay my aunt now i don't believe that women can be ca- uh, called sons of perdition <laughs> i don't believe that there are daughters of perdi- perdition but i'm going to use my aunt anyway my aunt has seen the savior my aunt has been shown a great many things. I, after my grandfather died, I started talking to my aunt. So I talked to my grandfather like almost every day as a truck driver, even back when we only had phone cards and there weren't uh, cell phones. I would call him at the end of every day and I would talk to him. You know, hey, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm going to try to get to tomorrow. This is where I'm going. Like, And then I would just talk to him for like half an hour or an hour, like sitting there in the truck stop on a pay phone with my phone card talking to my grandpa every single day. Or the majority of, you know, most of the time. I'm sure there were times when I couldn't talk to him. But that was a long time ago. He died in 2000. He died in uh, November. November of 2005. So I started talking. I called my grandma and talked to her. But I also talked to. I'd also talked to my aunt. And I would talk to my aunt before this. Like I. I had a pretty good relationship with her, but, um, she, she got so much revelation and she even knew that I was the one mighty and strong before I knew. And she told me, and like the spirit was trying to whisper to me, the father, like the spirit, whatever it was, he, I was, I was being whispered to a bunch, you know, you are that witness. You are the second witness. You are the one mighty and strong. And I was like, no way. (laughs) Like, how in the world would God take somebody like me to be that person? I'm not that person. I'm just me, you know. Like, I'm glad that I don't understand why God gave me all of these witnesses. I don't understand why... I was chosen other than, you know, I asked a lot. <laughs> but anyway, so so my aunt knew that I was the one mighty and strong spoken of in the section uh, Doctrine and Covenants section 85 and also in Isaiah chapter 28 before I did. And... Um, And I just, I couldn't believe it. And it wasn't until the father physically, or well, not physically, spiritually came to me and commanded me to kneel down before him and ask me who I am in January of 2013. And then, and then I was shown a bunch of stuff and I was like, okay. But so my only point here is that my aunt knew a bunch of stuff. She had received revelations. She had seen the savior. Um, 
And I don't know what changed her other than the fact that she started listening to a rabbi by the name of Tovia Singer. And she started listening to a guy by the name of Nehemia Gordon. Now, I really like both these guys. And Nehemia Gordon, he's a Karaite Jew. And I really like him. And he doesn't reject Jesus Christ. But Tovia Singer does. And Tovia Singer is deceptive. So I don't know if you can hear the chickens and the goats and the vehicles driving by. um, But I'm just going to... Every time a, a vehicle drives by, you probably hear it. And then I'm, I'm sitting out in the car because it's 9 in the morning. And I know that my kids are going to get up. And I know I wanted to do a recording today. So I'm trying to, like, have a little privacy before they uh, come interrupt me. And I know that I'll have a little more privacy in, in the car where I'm recording right now. Um. For longer, anyway. Now, this chapter is going to be pretty long, so I don't know if I'm going to have to do two parts. But anyway, so my aunt, she um, she rejects Jesus Christ now. Like, she has seen him, and she has touched him, and now she says that Jesus Christ was not the Messiah. And I don't even know what she says about me because she she hasn't talked to me in years, years and years and years. But she has rejected the revelations that she has received in the confirmation of the Holy Spirit. And I feel sorry for her. And according to what I've read, people who do this receive the second death. It's the unpardonable sin. And what I want to say is that if she goes along and she continues to reject and she dies in her rejection, that that's the unpardonable sin. But while she's in a state of of physical probation or mortal probation, that she can repent. Anyway. Continuing on with uh, the reading. If you suffer the opposite of this to take possession of of your tabernacles or your bodies... It will hurt you and all that is associated with you and blast and strike with mildew until your tabernacle, which was created to continue throughout an endless duration, will be decomposed and go back to the native elements, meaning back to the intelligence or the form of intelligence from which it came, to be ground over again like the refractory clay that has spoiled in the hand of the potter. It must be worked over again until it shall become passive and yield to the potter's wish. 
Journal of Discourses, Volume 2, page 135 and 136. The rebellious will be thrown back into their native element, there to remain myriads of years before their dust will again be revived, before they will be reorganized. Some might argue that this principle would lead to the reorganization of Satan and all of the devils. I say nothing about this, only that the Lord says that when he comes, he will destroy death and him that has the power of it. Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, page 118. And, um, let's see here. Basically, um, so I had a friend that proclaims to be a prophet, and I like him. His name is Eugene Richardson. And um, there's some things that we differ on, but we've had a lot of the same same kinds of experiences. Um, and like the revelations and stuff that I, like we used to do a program. So back in the day... <laughs> We, I used to do a program called The Kingdom of God or Nothing, which is now completely erased uh, from history, apparently. Like, you can still see all the episodes, but you can't listen to any of them because it's been hacked or something. I don't even know what happened. Back in 2016, a bunch of junk happened, and I lost hundreds, hundreds, I think 400 and something episodes. So, like, we're on 507, episode 576 right now, and there was, like, 490 episodes before that all that whole mess got, got done. So, anyway, um... We used to have these programs where we'd all get together on uh, Sunday night and uh, it would be like a Zoom call, but it would also be a live radio show on my end. And it was fun. Like we had really awesome conversations, mostly between uh, Kevin Kraut, Beverly Kraut, Eugene Richardson, Arthur Pritchard, Art Pritchard, and myself. And majority of the conversation was between me, um, Eugene, and Art, all arguing with each other. And it was fun. Like, it was just fun. It, like, some of sometimes it was kind of contentious. But for the majority, the majority of the, the time, it was fun. And, and Eugene used to say that in the second death, they're cast into uh, outer darkness, which is nothing more or less than a black hole, and that they are that they remain in the black hole until uh, they're dispersed or something like that, and then they can be reborn again or something. And I was like, oh, okay, well that's interesting, but anyway, that's what he thought about it. Now I don't know. I haven't received any revelation about that, but I thought it was interesting that he had claimed to have a revelation. I don't know why I yawn all the time. Do you know that I yawn all the time? Like, it's so stupid. I, 
unless I'm driving my truck. So when I'm driving my truck, I actually have adrenaline that's going through my veins and like I'm like on it like Donkey Kong. (laughs) I'm like, I don't drive tired very often. That like when I'm off, I, I've been off for three days now. This is my third day off, and I should be rested up. And I'm still like, oh. And you know, it's nine, nine fifteen in the morning. You know, it's not like it's way early. Like yesterday, I got up at five and started recording around six. And today, I got up like at eight and started recording like at eight forty-five or something like that. Anyway, so, I guess we'll just get back into the reading. They will be decomposed, both soul and body, and return to their native element. Now, that's interesting because soul, a soul, is a combination of a spirit and a body. That's a soul. When your body dies, you are a spirit, not a soul. But here he's using the word differently. They will be decomposed both soul and body and return to their native elements. I do not say that they will be annihilated, but they will be disorganized and will be it will be as if they had never been. Journal of Discourses, Volume 7, page 57. And I do not believe that Brigham Young understood these things. I think that he is just taking his own brain and making things up, trying to make things make sense in his own brain, and he acts like he's a prophet. But I guarantee you, Brigham Young was not the Lord's anointed. The only one who was in uh, the 1840s or 1830s was Joseph Smith, and there were no anointed after him until I was anointed under the hands of the Father. He never saw the Father or the Son or any heavenly messenger. And if he received inspiration, that's good. But he wasn't the prophet that he pretended to be. Continuing on, now understand, to choose life is to choose principal, or principles that will lead you to an eternal increase, and nothing short of them will produce life in the resurrection. For the faithful, those that choose death make choice of the path which leads to the end of their organization. The one leads to endless increase in progression, the other to the destruction of the organized being, ending in its entire decomposition, into the particles that compose the native element. Journal of Discourses, Volume Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, page 352. You know, I should drive to the back of my property further away from the road. I actually own 10 acres. But, um... I don't want my wife to look out the window and see the car gone like I went somewhere. 
So maybe I shouldn't worry about that. She actually didn't get to bed till pretty late. So, um, so I'm, you know, she's sleeping in today with all the kids. Like it's Thursday and they're sleeping in like it's uh, Saturday or something, but whatever. Which, you know, it's kind of funny because, like, we have an electric fence to put up today. Uh, we've got three quarters of a mile of electric fence that we have to, like, three, str- well, no. I think we're only going to do two strands. But, like, so the perimeter of this field that we're going to do today is, um, it's a quarter of a mile. And... I want to do three strands, but I don't have $600 to spend on fencing supplies today. So we only bought enough for maybe two strands. And uh, the reason I'm doing this is because the electric fence wire that we put up before is too flimsy and it has broken in the, uh, the wind. And so we had to take all of that down. And we're going to put this... Um, 12 gauge wire up which is pretty sturdy and we're going to go around the the field three times with it um today and uh so we've got a lot of work to do but like nobody wants to get up and do the work so which is fine because i can do this this recording here here comes a truck All right, so I live on a state route, and there is um, a couple of trucking companies that go back and forth on this road where I live. So you'll probably hear them from time to time. (coughs) Excuse me. All right. Hear it, all ye Latter-day Saints. Will you spend the time of your probation for naught and fool away your existence and being? You are organized and brought into being for the purpose of enduring forever. If you will fulfill the measure of your creation, pursue the right path, observe the requirements of the celestial law, and obey the commandments of God, it is then, and then only, you may expect that the blessings of eternal lives will be conferred upon you. It can be obtained upon no other principle. Do you understand that you will cease to to be, that you will come to a full end by pursuing the opposite course? Everything else tends to decay. Separation, annihilation, he's talking about the the second law of thermodynamics. Everything that is organized becomes unorganized in time. And as we use the, t- the English term, there is no such principle as this, but dissolution or decomposition. And that's in Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, page 113 and 114. So I think that, jo- uh, that J- Brigham Young learned some of these principles and had a basic understanding of them. And in his attempt to try to understand them, he came up with some pretty interesting things that aren't true. That's what I think happened with, with Brigham Young. And like he talks about some of the stuff like he knows, but I don't I don't think he knows. Anyway, continuing on with Brigham Young. Suppose that our father in heaven, our elder brother, 
the risen redeemer, the savior of the world, or any of the gods of eternity should act upon this principle to love truth, knowledge, and wisdom because they are all powerful and by the aid of this power they could send devils to hell, torment people of the earth, exercise sovereignty over them, and make them miserable at their pleasure they would cease to be gods, and as fast as they adopt and acted upon such principles, they would become devils and thrust down, and be thrust down in the twinkling of an eye. The extension of their kingdom would cease, and their god had comes to an end. That's interesting. That's Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, page 117. And let me just say, I'm just reminding you that I put all of these, all of the text, all of it, um, on Tumblr, and I put the link in the description of, of blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon and also at Zion's Redemption Radio Network on iTunes. So you can go read all these quotes for yourself, get the references. And then you can go read them in the original books if you want to see if they're correct. You know, I give you the opportunity as I'm reading these things to go read them for yourself. Uh, in fact, you can even read along with the podcast. So anyway, continuing on, if you adhere to the spirit of the Lord strictly, it will become in you a fountain of revelation. Here comes a track. And that's a truck I used to drive for my old company. So glad I don't do that job anymore. I make so much more money and I have so much more time off now that I don't do that job. But I'm working more. I'm working now. Like, it's just nice that I don't have to deal with that. Like, and I was working five or six days a week and then taking one or two off. Of course, I didn't work 14-hour days. Oh, for them, I worked 11 or 12-hour days. Every once in a while, I'd do a 14-hour day. But now, every day. Oh, excuse me. Every day, I'd do a 14-hour day. <laughs> Continuing on, if you adhere to the spirit of the Lord strictly, it will become in you a fountain of revelation. After a while, the Lord will say to such, my son, you have been faithful, you have clung to good, and you love righteousness and hate iniquity. From which you have turned away, now you shall have the blessings of the Holy Spirit to lead you and be your constant companion from this time henceforth and forever. Then the Holy Spirit becomes your property. What? Brigham Young, you think that the Godhead is a property of an individual? Okay. Maybe the gift becomes your gift and blessing. It's not your property, though. Like, are you entitled, Brigham Young? Maybe he misspoke. Anyway, continuing on. Then the Holy Spirit becomes your property. It is given to you for a profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, not 
prophet in the biblical sense, and an eternal blessing. It tends to it tends to addition, extension, and increase to immor- immorality. I'm sorry, immortality. I had to like look at that word for a minute. I'm like, wait, what? That's not. Im, um, to immortality and eternal lives. If you suffer the opposite of this to take possession of your of your tabernacles or bodies, it will hurt you and all that is associated with you and blast and strike with mildew until your tabernacle, which was created to continue throughout an endless duration, will be decomposed and go back to its native elements. To be ground over again like the refractory clay that has has spoiled in the hands of the potter. It must be worked over again until it shall become passive and yield to the potter's wish. One power is to add and to build up and increase and the other is to destroy and diminish. One is life and the other is death. We might ask, when shall we cease to learn? I will give you my opinion about it. Never, never. If we continue to learn all that we can pertaining to the salvation which is purchased and presented to us through the Son of God, is there a time when a person will cease to learn? Yes, when he has sinned against the Father, against God the Father, Jesus Christ and the Holy Son, are in the Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, God's minister, when he has denied the Lord, defiled him, and committed the sin that in the Bible is termed the unpardonable sin, the sin against the Holy Ghost, then is the time when the person will cease to learn. And from that time forth, descend in ignorance, forgetting that he that which he formerly knew and decreasing until he returns to the native element whether it be in 1000 or in 1 million years or during as many eternities as you can count such will cease to increase but must decrease until they return to their native element they are only characters who will ever cease to learn both in time and eternity And we shall never cease to learn until we apostatize from the religion of Jesus Christ. Then we shall cease to increase and will continue to decrease and decompose until we return to our native element. Mankind are organized of element designed to endure all eternity. It never had a beginning. It can never have an end. Brigham Young doesn't understand things. There never was a time when this matter of which you and I are composed was not in existence. So doesn't understand things. And there never can be a time when it will when it will come to pass out of existence. It cannot be annihilated. It is brought together, organized, and capacitated to receive knowledge and intelligence, to be enthroned, to be made of angels, gods, being who will 
hold control over the elements and have power by their word to command the creation and the redemption of worlds or to extinguish suns by their breath. I, I kind of feel like he just keeps going on and on and on. Like somebody who doesn't know is trying to like... Well, I don't know. You know, when I'm trying to explain something and I'm having a hard time explaining it, I'll talk I'll talk an awful long time trying to get it get my my words to match what I'm trying to say. Oh, excuse me. Okay. I have to stop for just a minute and go back to what Brigham Young says about like sinning against Jesus Christ and against the Father. Doesn't Jesus in the Bible say, um, you can sin against me and say all kind of manner of blasphemy against me and, and, and that'll be fine. But if you blaspheme against the Holy Ghost, your sin is in, um, in, uh, unpardonable. Isn't that something that he says? Maybe the inspired translation is different. I don't know. But uh, Joseph Smith, didn't he say if, if they contradict the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, set them down as imposters? I don't know. Anyway, continuing on. Oh, let's see. And, and have power by their word to command the creation and redemption of worlds or to extinguish suns by their breath and disorganize worlds, hurling them back into their chaotic state. The thought of being annihilated, of being blotted out of existence, is most horrid, even to the class called infidels. The intelligence that is in me to cease to exist is a horrid thought. This intelligence intelligence must exist it must dwell somewhere and if i take the right course and preserve it in its organization i will preserve to myself eternal life this is the greatest gift that ever was bestowed on mankind to know how to preserve their identity shall we forge our own fetters through our ignorance Shall we lay the foundation to build the bulwarks of our own destruction through our wickedness? I trust that we are laying the foundation to endure eternally. If we do, we must be the friends of God, the friends of the principles of life and salvation, and we must adhere to those principles and shape our lives according to them, or else we lay the foundation for our own destruction." Talk about liberty anywhere else. What liberty is, there is anything that will be dissolved and returned to its native element. Uh, I don't understand what he's trying to say here. I, maybe you guys can help me. <laughs> you know, in the comments, I guess. What liberty can any intelligence and joy that is calculated to be destroyed. There is no liberty, no freedom there. The principle of life and salvation are only are the only principles of freedom for every principle that is opposed to God 
that is opposed to the principles of eternal life. Whether it is in heaven, on earth, or in hell, the time will be when it will cease to exist, cease to preserve, manifest, and exhibit its identity, for it will be returned to its native element. If the Lord sees that we need to be afflicted, he can apply the rod. I do not say this to urge you to do your to do your duty. For if you will not live your religion for the blessings that God bestows upon it, you will not live it anyhow. And the man who will not live his religion ought to be damned. Never serve God because you are afraid of hell. But live your religion because it is calculated to give you eternal life. It points to that existence that never ends, while the other course leads to the destruction, to the dissolution, when they will be destroyed from the earth and from the eternities and return back to their native element. We will maintain the kingdom of God living, and if we do not maintain it, we shall be found dying not only a temporal, but also an eternal death. Then take a course to live. We place the principles of life before you. Do as you please and and we will protect you in your rights. Though you will learn that the system you have chosen to follow brings you to dissolution, to being resolved to the native element, to see people running after this and that which is calculated to destroy them spiritually and temporally, to bring upon them the first death and then the second, so that they will be as though they had not been, is enough to make the heavens weep. And anyway, that was recorded um, in the Contributor, Volume 10. This is interesting. It was recorded November of 1888, uh, 18, October of 1889, whatever, volume 10, September of 1889, volume 11, pages 401 and 402. But the problem is, Brigham Young died in 1877, so where's the original source at? Ugh. I don't know. Anyway. I'm sorry I'm yawning so much today. I don't know why. Anyway. um, And you know what, you guys? I'm sorry that I'm not a better podcaster. Like, I listen to other podcasts and YouTube videos, and I'm like, those guys are so professional. And I'm like, just plucking away out here in my car yawning every other second like you guys hear my chickens and my goats if my dog was out here you'd hear my dog you know you hear these vehicles driving by my house because I live on a state route 
like I could go back to the back of the property. You know, I've got 10 acres, but... And I've already explained why I don't do that. But I'm just... Thank you for for listening, you know, for learning with me. Um, I wish that people were more vocal and they would talk more, like, in the comment section. I wish that people would call in when I was doing the live radio shows, but nobody would. So now I'm just like, whatever, I'm not doing that anymore. Like, I did it for years and years. And, like, I would get calls from like Singapore and Bangladesh and places in India and Pakistan and Africa and and but I never got calls from the saints and like I got a lot of calls from Muslims who wanted to argue with me about Muhammad or whatever and I got some calls from Christians but you know what I don't think I ever got a call from a Latter-day Saint or anybody in the Restoration Movement. I started my podcast on January... uh, What was it? January... It was January of 2013. And before that, I I did a podcast um, with another guy... um, and his podcast was called Zion's Redemption. My podcast is Zion's Redemption Radio Network because I was hoping to... I, and I had different podcasts for different things back then. I had a bunch of... I had like four different podcasts at first. And then um, I really just focused on um, the kingdom of God or nothing. Excuse me. The Kingdom of God or Nothing on Zion's Redemption Radio Network. And then we had Zion's Redemption. And then we had uh, Fundamentally Mormon. And we had other programs as well. And, like, we never had random Latter-day Saints calling, which is who we're trying to talk to, you know? But I would have people... Christians calling in and Muslims calling in and wanting to argue. So, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not, I'm just, I, I'm a Seki podcaster. I'm a Seki prophet too. <laughs> I just am. I know I am. Like, I know I am. I wish I weren't. When I talk about how God chose the weak things of the world, like I really believe that I am the weak things of the world. I don't. I know that I. I know that God showed me who I am and why I was called and and all of that. But I'm just like, why? Like, and I do not feel like I was ready for this position of authority. Like, I think it was a surprise to me that I was called to be the witness. And I don't get it. Honestly, I don't understand why I would be the one that would be called. I know I don't like it. I know I wish that I was just some guy. And, like, I'm grateful for all of the experiences and 
But, you know, it's like the more you know, the more burdened you are by the knowledge that you have. It's like people who have high high IQs often suffer depression more because they see everything. Like bl- uh, ignorance is bl- uh, ignorance is bliss, and only those who are not ignorant understand how bliss ignorance is. <laughs> the ignorant don't understand it. But the ignorant don't suffer having their eyes wide open to things. Anyway, continuing on. He had not been he had not the power of endless life in him, and he will be decomposed in the particles which compose his body and spirit or return to their native element. I told you some time ago what would become of such men. I will quote the scriptures on this point and you can make what you want. You can make what you please of it. Jesus says he will destroy death and him that hath the power of it. What can you make of this but decomposition, the returning to the organized particles to their native element After suffering the wrath of God until the time appointed, that appears a mystery, but the mystery has been in essence in existence from all eternity, but only only it is something you have not known or thought of. When the elements in when the elements in an organized form do not feel the end of their creation, they are thrown back again, like Brother Kimball's old pottery ware, to be ground up and made over again. So like you've got a bunch of broken pieces of pottery, you grind it back up into powder, you you add water to it, you, you knead it with your fingers, you mix it up, you fold it, and you get it to the, to the point where it's pliable again and there's no hard chunks in there. That's what he's talking about. All I have to say about it is what Jesus says, I will destroy death and him that hath the power of it, which is the devil. And if he ever makes a full end of the wicked... What else can he do than entirely disorganize them and reduce them to their native element? See, here Brigham Young is basically just talking about, like, well, obviously this has to be the way it is because my logic is telling me that this is how things are. Brigham Young is not, he doesn't understand these things at all. Here are some of the mysteries of the kingdom. On the other hand, let us take the affirmative of the question and inquire what is life and salvation. It is to take that course wherein we can abide forever and ever and be exalted to thrones, kingdoms, governments, dominions, and have full power to control the elements according to our pleasure to all eternity 
The one is life and the other is death, which is nothing more or less than the decomp decomposition of organized native element. There can be no such thing as power to annihilate element. There is one eternity of element which can be organized or disorganized, decomposed or composed. It may be put into this shape or that according to the will of the intelligence that commands it, but there is no such thing as putting it entirely out of existence. Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, page 275 and 276. Okay. I think we're going to get through all of this today. In fact, I'm actually kind of surprised because, like, I thought this was going to be a two-parter, and it's not. We're already, we've gone through Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, so ne the, next, the next one that we'll be quoting from is Orson Hyde. And by the way, we're at 92%. That's why I'm like, wow, we're going to get through this. And like, this wasn't even, I thought this was going to be like at least three hours worth of podcast just for this chapter. And we're like at one. So that's amazing. Orson Hyde. The following is quoted from the author of the biography about Orson Hyde during Orson's temporary apostasy from the church. Okay, had to pause it because the guy that uh, comes and picks up our dumpster came and that would have been loud and not good for the podcast. So anyway, all right, I'm back and he's gone with all of our trash, that trash thief. <laughs> anyway, one answer to his prayer came in as a vision in it, he received graphic instructions. He narrates that if I did not make immediate restitution to the Quorum of the Twelve, I would be cut off from the church and everlasting blessings with all my posterity. More terrifying, the vision revealed after death, he would be cast among the satanic host. A consequence of his denial, in essence, of his past immense spiritual enlightenment. Anyway, that was uh, Orson Hyde, The Olive Branch of Israel by Myrtle Hyde, page 104. And apparently Orson had that vision when he left the church, I guess. I I don't know. But this isn't in Orson Hyde's own words. It's in some other guy's words. So, All right. Erastus Snow. One thing is clear, uh, taught clearly in all the revelations, ancient and modern, that there is a class on whom the second death will pass. And the thought of their returning to their native element is a thought which all intelligent beings shrink from. Sorry, I got interrupted. My wife came out to see what I was doing in the car. <laughs> 
Alright, um, returning to their native element is the thought which all intelligent beings shrink from. The instinct within us is to cleave to life, to cleave to our organization. The greatest joy we feel is in the certain hopes of a resurrection from the dead. The idea of the second death or dissolution of the spirit is that which is the most terrifying to the soul, but our Father has so ordained that our spiritual organizations as well as our tabernacles can only be maintained and perfected through obedience to the laws of eternal life. Journal of Discourses, Volume 7, page 359. So that's the end of the chapter. Um, I don't know what to say about all this. I know that there is a second death to those who are disobedient. Um, I also know that there are laws by which um, God the Eternal Father has set forth and the Council of the Elohim have set forth um, to destroy the wicked. And the reason for that is because there are many more wicked than righteous. They want to choose um, things that bring chaos. And um, if they were to be left alone to their own devices, they would they would amass an army which would overthrow everything. They would overthrow um, God the Eternal Father and the Council of the Elohim. And uh, this is just my speculation, but I believe that there was a time when this didn't happen that they would not they would not destroy the wicked and they would not do the whole second death and there would be rebellion and there would be disorder and they would have to fight to um, to gain control again uh, so that the wicked did not rule so uh, in the process of the eternities they have come up with these these laws and rules for us to follow partly to help us to gain higher resurrection but also so that there wouldn't be um, an overthrow of the kingdom of heaven and an overthrow of the council of the Elohim and the eternal. So um, when we look at it from our carnal perspective, we think, oh, that's, that's horrible that these things happen, but I don't think that they are horrible. I think there is a reason why God chooses to chain up certain rebellious souls until the day of redemption, which is like some of the the great rebellious. Um, they've been chained up according to certain, like the book of Enoch talks a lot about this, and it does talk about this in the book of Revelations a little bit. But I think that um, this is my thoughts and ideas, not being a prophet, not that I've received revelation. It's just thoughts that I've had. Um, I think that God allows these things because he doesn't want 
things to be overthrown and there to be complete chaos and rebellion and, and wars among among the gods. So we all have to follow these rules that have been set forth. Yehovah, our Elohim, he has to follow the rules that are set forth by the council of the, of the Elohim, which came before him, and the eternal. They, um, I believe that in the process of, of the eternities that they have come up with these, this plan of salvation and, uh, these, these things in order to maintain order. So some people are like, well, why doesn't God just save everyone, even the wicked? I believe that God loves all of his children, but he blesses those who are obedient to his word and his instructions. And if he did not segregate the righteous from the wicked in the eternities, they would overthrow things. And I I think that that would go contrary to his plan to help to help the righteous gain a higher resurrection to become like he is. But there's like rules and laws in which he has set forth for his wise purposes to make sure that certain things don't happen. And the, the wicked and the rebellious, if they were allowed to remain, especially people who have been given the greatest blessings of knowing God and receiving revelation and then rejecting that, I think that these people would cause a great problem among those who were obedient and were are blessed. So... Anyway, that's the end of this podcast. Uh, like I said, like if you're following this and you really enjoy this stuff, thank you. I'm, I'm glad that you do. I'm glad that, that this is beneficial to some people. Um, but I would say that um, just because I say something doesn't mean that everything I say is 100% correct. And, like, these are my opinions and ideas. There's things that I do know, and I do talk about those things that God has revealed to me. Um, But I also do have my own thoughts, ideas, opinions. And it's like Joseph Smith said that that a prophet speaks when he, like, he doesn't always have to speak. Like, a prophet doesn't always have to, like, be a prophet. He's a prophet when... When he's speaking by revelation or about things he knows about, you know, he's a prophet when God gives him a word, but like Joseph Smith was a man. Moses was also a man. Moses did some, some things that weren't great, but Jesus Christ called him a prophet. Like there's only one perfect individual that has ever lived on this on the, the face of this planet, and, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the only one. 
all the rest of us, even the greatest prophets, we are, we have our flaws. Like Elijah had his flaws. He, he would question God. He uh, had some problems with some things, you know, and he, he was depressed at times and angry at times. Did that mean that he wasn't a prophet? Oh, he was a prophet. So um, I'm just thinking about like, you know, Joseph Smith may have done some things that are not great. But he was still a prophet. Like, Moses received revelations. He saw God. He heard him speak. He was a prophet, but he made mistakes. He smacked the rock at Horeb. Uh, he had times when he, he did some things that weren't great, and he was punished for it by not going into the land of promise because because of his... his uh, he didn't do things the way he should have done things, but that doesn't mean he wasn't a prophet. Moses even murdered a man. But Moses was still a prophet. Every prophet that has ever existed has had issues where he hasn't done what he should have done. But they were still prophets. And when I listen to all of these people talking about how Joseph Smith did this, that, or the other, well, yeah, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Like, the devil likes to lie on Joseph Smith, of course, because he wants to destroy him. But that doesn't mean that Joseph Smith wasn't a prophet. Like, I know that Joseph Smith was a prophet by revelation, by confirmation of the Holy Spirit, same as I know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And if Joseph Smith did something... That, that he shouldn't have done, well, guess what? He was still a prophet. And I think that we have more information about the life of Joseph Smith than we have about any of the Old Testament or New Testament prophets or apostles because of our vicinity to the age in which he lived. So he can be more scrutinized than than any of the others, uh, like biblical or Book of Mormon prophets. But I bet if we had the opportunity to know all about every individual, or even one individual prophet from the Old Testament, we're going to find things about him that we're not going to like. Like we have a little bit about Moses more than we have about other people. And we know some of the stuff he did. He had plural wives. Which I don't believe is a sin. But he... Um, but he, he murdered a man. 
he was disobedient to God's word and instruction from time to time. But he was still a prophet. He wasn't allowed to go into the promised land, but he was allowed to be at the Mount of Transfiguration. So I don't know, these are just things that I've been thinking about lately. And um, talk about them a little bit at the end of this program, but we're done with the program for today. And I don't know if I'm going to be doing a program tomorrow. I know I have to work tomorrow. So um, I hope that you enjoy at least the content that I'm putting out today. Um, Also, one of the things, so um, I'm going to be posting a video on Rumble uh, that was demonetized and I got a strike in YouTube because I talked about vaccines, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, it was a video about um, God hates the rebellious and it was talking about Esau and how God loved Jacob and he hated Esau. And I talk about the principles of, of Balaam, Balak, and the doctrine of Cain a little bit in that video. And it, it was take, it's taken down from YouTube and I got a strike for it. They said it was because of medical misinformation because I talked about vaccines. And I'm not exactly sure. I don't remember talking about vaccines in it. But I'm just like, whatever. Like, YouTube's algorithms are dumb and uh, whatever. So I'm going to put that video on my Rumble account. But I don't have... (laughs) I have no followers on my Rumble account. But people do watch my videos from time to time there. So I don't get that. Anyway. I hope that everybody has a good day, and I hope I hope that at least these videos are something for you to think about and to study and come up with your own opinions and get confirmation on what you think is true. And then uh, also, if you think something's true, I hope that there's times when God withdraws His Spirit from you. So you can know that the things you believe aren't exactly all true. Because, like, we're... The whole world's in gross gross darkness and error. And, like, just because we have a thought in our head doesn't mean that everything that we think is correct, you know? So, anyway, um, I'm going to let you guys go and just uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. And, uh... Next time I come back on, we're going to be talking about Matthias Cowley. And uh, and then I don't know what we're going to do past that because, like I said, like I can't find where the chapter ends, uh, chapter 30. Like, I don't know. Like, I've been looking, and I'm like, where in the heck does this stupid chapter end? It's like a lot of information. So, anyway, um, I'll probably just read you know, from time to time, but I don't know how to separate the podcasts for the next, the next chapter and and the next 300 and something pages or whatever it is. So I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, I'm going to read the whole book though. It's a lot of information and I think it's uh, good for learning. And like I said, I don't, I don't believe all of it's correct, but I'm going to read it anyway. So Anyway, this is uh, 
been a Zion's Redemption Radio Network podcast. And I hope that everyone has a good day. Take care. God bless. And goodbye.